Hello everybody, it is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone's support on the show. Uh, don't really have that much to talk about in this episode, but we are going to be talking about the All-Star Day. We're going to be talking about my top 25, under 25, which is going to be the main segment of the show. I want to talk about the Mavericks, the Suns, and teams to watch at the 2021 NBA tra- trade deadline. So yeah, let's just get right into it. First, I want to talk about All-Star Day, which was definitely a very, very interesting one. It was super weird compared to all the other All-Stars because, obviously, it's very different circumstances. Uh, We didn't have all the fans there, and they usually really make it what it is. It was only a day. We didn't have the Rising Stars event. Uh, It was definitely just a really, really weird one, and I was pretty underwhelmed by it. Uh, First, I'll start off talking about the skills competition. The NBA needs to do something else other than the skills competition. Literally no one cares. Like it's not fun at all. Like it's just so random and it just doesn't matter that much at all and it's never fun at any year really. Even if like the player that I want to win wins it, I really just don't care that much and it's not that entertaining at all for me to watch. So I would love for them to come in and do something different. I think like a one-on-one competition, maybe how they do it at Team USA where it's like the one dribble one-on-one. I think that would be a really entertaining thing to watch, especially seeing like the best players go one-on-one against each other. That would be super fun. I don't know an exact solution for it, but I think that event just needs to go. It just doesn't really have any value and no one cares. Even the people who are in it don't care at all. Like you saw Luca jogging in his warm-up. It's, it's a joke. And it's something that they need to get rid of because no one enjoys it really. And it's just not fun any year. And it was another year where it was just boring as hell, uh, way too long, and it was a super short event. So I think that shows my opinions on it uh, pretty well. The dunk contest was super underwhelming, man. I mean, these were some high flyers. Uh, To the casual fan, I could understand why they wouldn't be excited at all just due to the fact that these aren't very big names. And it's obviously more exciting to see the big names in there. But when I saw high flyers like Cassius uh, Stanley and I saw Anthony Simons, Obi Toppin, I'm like, this could be at least a decent uh, dunk contest. But I knew one thing was going to take away from it a lot, and it definitely did, which is just the energy of the crowd. Like, there was obviously still people there. Uh, but it's nowhere near the same when there's a full arena because that's really what makes the dunk contest what it is. Like, obviously, what dunks people do is important, but it's always the reaction and the energy in the crowd that really makes the dunk contest exciting. And there was just no energy at all. Even, like, the people who were rooting for teammates didn't even seem to care that much. Like, Julius Randle... Barely even got hyped when Obi Toppin would do a dunk. And it's also just because the dunks were so mid. Like, they weren't bad dunks necessarily, but they were just so alright. And there's so many other times where we've seen much better dunks. And with those guys already not being big names, they would have had to pull out some crazy, crazy dunks for it to actually be entertaining. And it just... It just simply wasn't, man. It was super underwhelming. Uh, I don't even care that Anthony Simons won. Like, some people who were fans of the Knicks were mad that Obi Top didn't win. I'm like, I just don't care at all because, obviously, I didn't have, like, uh, someone I was really rooting for that much. And the dunks were just so 
all right anyway that it was hard for me to get invested into it at all when these dunks I feel like I've seen them like 10 times before and I mean there was some creativity I liked what Anthony Simons did by putting the ball uh, on the backboard and then grabbing that I thought that was a cool dunk I thought Cassius Stanley's first dunk was really really cool surprised they only gave it a 44 uh, but other than that it was one of the worst dunk contests in a long while and they need to figure out something to spice up the dunk contest because it feels like we have one good one like every four years and the other ones are either just all right or bad. And this was definitely one of the bad ones after a great one last year. There needs to be some sort of incentive for these top players to uh, do it so there can just be more uh, casual fans who are hyped for it because like if we had Zach Levine and Zion in it that would be so hype especially it just hurts seeing them literally sitting on the sideline and watching it and you just know that these guys could pull off some crazy dunks that was super underwhelming three-point contest though was exciting as always the three-point contest is by far the most exciting uh, thing for me I love the three-point contest so much I would have loved to see Dame in it and I think that could have made it even more exciting but it was still very very exciting uh, shout out to Mike Conley obviously he did come up short it's kind of hard when you're facing the greatest shooter of all time but he put on a hell of a performance he was hitting his shots very very well would have loved to see one of my boys from Boston and Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown win it but at the end of the day I just wanted a good uh, three-point contest and it definitely was especially with it coming down to the last shot for Steph that was just a beautiful ending and it was everything you'd want a three-point competition just super competitive and I just really again hope that like Dame could be in it next year I would have loved to see Joe Harris in it surprised that he wasn't in it uh I hope he just declined the invite because there's no way the NBA didn't invite uh the league leader in three-point percentage that would be wild of them to do uh, so if they could put some even better shooters in it, maybe throw like a Seth Curry in there as well, get a Steph versus uh, Seth matchup, that would be really, really exciting. But it's always fun every single year. Uh, it, and especially when like Steph Curry's in it, it just makes it even more exciting uh, because I could watch that every single time. Uh, because it's going to be so dramatic if you could see anyone beat the greatest shooter of all time. That's just a show every single uh, event, and I'm really, really excited uh, to see it just keep happening every single year. That's the one thing I'm like, it needs no adjustments. It's perfect how it is, and it's going to continue to be great content. And then you obviously have the All-Star Game, uh, which was very fun at certain points and was also pretty underwhelming at others. Uh, and it mostly just comes from the fact that uh, Team Durant got absolutely destroyed. They were a team that just, it was... It was writing on the wall that they were going to lose. I mean, KD was obviously not there. And then Joel Embiid was not there as well, which was uh, just really, really rough for them. Uh, they had some cool plays, obviously, still. Uh, but overall, it definitely wasn't a, a good performance from them. It was basically a 20-point game almost the entire time. Kyrie had some really cool moments in there. He was actually putting in a lot of effort, which was cool to see. And he was definitely uh, putting on a bit of a show. Zion missed like four dunks. That seemed super easy. Tatum had a really good game. Uh, Bradley Beal killed it as well. But there's not really anything uh, to take away that was super exciting on their side. Uh, but on Team LeBron, they put on an absolute show, man. It was a blast to watch them. Even though it wasn't a close game, it was just cool to see them dominate the way they did. 
I mean, LeBron and Steph on the same floor was, it was special, man. Like, it was really, really cool to see. I enjoyed that so, so much. Uh, and it's just one of those, like, crazy what ifs. Like, what if those two guys were on the same team at one point ever? That would be ridiculous, man. Especially when LeBron passed it to Steph and he hit the logo shot. That was crazy. Giannis just dominated this game on the interior and then he hit some threes as well hit that step back three from the corner and i was like what is going on he hit two bank threes in uh chris paul got 16 assists he had that really funny play where everybody's not really trying that hard because it's an all-star game at the end of the day but you can just tell he has a little bit of beef with james harden because james harden thinks he's got like an easy fast break and chris paul just sprints back and gets a steal on james harden that was hilarious uh steph and dame going back and forth to hit the logo shots was awesome that was just incredible to see dame scoring 11 to finish it out was really cool uh, Luca had some cool moments in there as well. Surprised to see him play so many minutes, though. That was uh, a little bit weird for sure. He played uh, the most minutes out of anybody, even though he wasn't doing anything crazy. Jalen Brown, uh, as a Celtics fan, was really cool to see him out there because he just looked like he belonged. He had a, a very good game, and it was just super fun to see those guys uh, go crazy. It's always uh, cool to see just the best players have fun like sometimes you'd obviously want the game to be a bit more competitive than it is uh, but it's also just cool to see them get super creative and do a bunch of stuff that they just wouldn't do in a regular game so all-star game was pretty cool would love to see it be closer and i assume next year when uh, there hopefully isn't COVID issues, and hopefully uh, the team captain is healthy. Then it definitely will be a lot closer, and it will be a more fun game. Uh, but All-Star Weekend was just all right. I mean, it wasn't anything special. I'd probably give it like a 4 out of 10 just because the skills challenge always sucks. The dunk contest was underwhelming, and the All-Star game was just pretty decent. Uh, it was a, it was a uh, somewhat fun day. At the end of the day, I'm honestly just excited to see actual basketball back because uh, that was definitely underwhelming, and it wasn't a great one. Probably one of the worst ones, especially when you compare it to last year. Like, it's unfair to uh, the All-Star game, but when you just compare it to last year in Chicago, last year in Chicago was so good. One of the best All-Star games ever. Great dunk contest, three-point contest was entertaining, and then you compare it to this, and it's just so mid uh, but yeah, that was my recap of the All-Star Day. Now I want to get into some discussions about some NBA teams that are definitely very, very interesting going into the second half of the season. And I first want to start off with the Dallas Mavericks, who are a team that definitely was playing some excellent basketball uh, before the break. They're going to be one of the first teams to uh, play after the break. And I think they are a team you need to watch out for. Uh, they're playing some of their best basketball that they've played all year. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. After digging themselves a bit of a hole, they were 14th in the West at one point. They're now the 8th seed, only one game out of the 7th seed. And if they could get a win over the Spurs, they would take over that 7th seed spot. So they're definitely a team that is real, real dangerous and is starting to play their best basketball at the right time. Uh, first, obviously, starts off with Luka Doncic, by far their best player. And he's been playing some of the best basketball of his career as of late. Uh, he's having a fantastic season. And it's kind of sad just due to the fact that 
Uh, he was expected to do so much. He was expected to win MVP by a lot of people. A lot of people are disappointed in this season. But Luka's been incredible this year. This is the best season we've seen from Luka Doncic. Obviously, statistically, it's not like crazy better than uh, last year. And that's the thing with Luka. Some people are going to say like he's peaked and he's kind of plateaued but the thing for me is while statistically he's not going to get much better that just kind of is what it is because it's hard to average more than almost a 30 point triple double but it's just actually watching the games and seeing the things he's improving on he's a much better defender still isn't like a leader anything but he's way better than he used to be and he's you can just tell he's definitely more locked in on that side of the ball and people need to get rid of the narrative that Luka is just this awful defender. He's a pretty decent defender, and when he puts his energy in there, he could be pretty good. It's kind of like James Harden, where James Harden obviously isn't a great defender, and he has that stigma attached to him, but he's a good post defender because both of those two are super strong, and they're just good enough as defenders with how good of offensive players they are. Another thing that those two players are very uh, similar in, which is kind of funny. And then it's it's his three-point shooting that has really allowed him to take that step that uh, I really wanted him to. He's been great shooting the three ball lately. And that's the thing that was holding him back is that he was struggling so much early on in the season. But for like a month, he shot over like 40% from three. And you could just tell he's so confident in that three ball. I really hope it doesn't slow down because if he can even shoot 36 to 37% with how good he is as an all around player, that is going to make Luka Doncic basically unstoppable because that was the only thing you could point to and really say that's a pretty big weakness in his game. It's just how inconsistent he was as a shooter. But he's getting into those step backs. He's hitting them off the dribble, and he's doing it the best he ever has in his career. This is by far his best shooting stretch ever, and it's definitely been really, really nice to see. Uh, he's obviously playmaking uh, because he's just one of the best playmakers in the league. There was a thing where everybody was like posting their top eight playmakers on Twitter, and I saw so many people not put Luka in there, and those people are ridiculous. Luka Doncic is a generational playmaker. This dude has some of the best vision I've ever seen. He's special, man, as a playmaker. He just puts on a show with his passes every single night. He's one of, if not potentially, the best finisher in the league, which sounds weird because so many people equate finishing to like how athletic you are and how many how many posters you're getting, but that's not it at all. Like Luca obviously isn't going to get too many posters because he's not a super athletic dude, even though his athleticism is pretty underrated because he has a lot of things that people don't necessarily think of when it comes to athleticism, but are a po an important part about being athletic. And it's his ability to control his speed. It's his ab ability to use footwork. His balance is incredible. And that's what allows him to be such a good finisher around the basket because his footwork is so clean and he so easily gets around people. And then he has by far one of the best touch in the league. His touch around the basket is incredible. And that's the thing that more than any other part of his game makes Lucas so great is his ability to finish around the basket. He's just ridiculous and is better than almost anyone in the entire league. And that's, again, 
he's not a guy who's going to jump out of the gym and he's not going to run super fast, but he has all the other parts of athleticism that still allow him to be an above average athlete. Uh, and a lot of people just don't really understand that. And they think of athleticism at such like a surface uh, level. And that's why so many people were scared of Luca as a prospect, which I always thought was ridiculous because Luca was so different to other foreign prospects. They were comparing him to these other foreign prospects who were bust. But my thing has always been all those guys were not doing what Luca was doing. Most of those guys are averaging very low numbers in the Euro leagues, and they're mostly picked because of their potential and signs that we've seen. Luca was the MVP of the second best basketball league in the world at 18. This dude is just truly, truly special. And now that he's getting his three-point uh, shot together, first of all, it's been silence which i think is ridiculous because he was getting criticized so much for his three-point shooting then he has like a month where he shoots 40 percent and his crickets so backwards but he's dominating playing uh probably the best basketball of his career and i just hope he keeps that momentum up jalen brunson has been phenomenal for them recently really proving to be one of if not potentially the best backup point guard in the league uh, the dude is just such a solid all-around player, and he's so efficient from everywhere on the floor. He has a true shooting percentage of 64.6, which is just incredible. And the thing that I love about Jalen Brunson so much is his versatility because he's a guy who, when Luka is out, he can be your main shot creator. He can be the guy running pick-and-rolls and taking shots off the dribble but he can also play alongside Luca as a guy who's completely willing to play off the ball and just be uh, a player who is a catch and shoot guy and then is a secondary ball handler he's just willing to play whatever role the, ne the team needs him to play which is just perfect and he's been playing so great lately like he has had an amazing stretch of games and is really really looking like he's emerging to be a whole nother level of player i just hope he continues to get these consistent minutes uh because i think luca could definitely use a guy like jalen brunson alongside him because that's the one thing that i have always been critical about with the mavericks is when luca isn't on the floor or even when he is on the floor sometimes i felt like they lacked the secondary ball handling that they really needed but when you have a guy like jalen brunson it just makes it perfect especially when he's shooting so so well obviously i said he had great efficiency but 53 percent from the field 40 percent from three and 85 percent from the line is just perfect he kind of reminds me in a weird way of Monte Morris I'm not saying they have like super similar games or anything but it's just the fact that they are kind of undersized guys they were more experienced guys coming out of college and they're both just two of the best backup point guards in the league I think he's going to be really good for the Mavs for a long long while and he's definitely been a massive part of why they're streaking and playing so well uh, definitely watch out for Jalen Brunson He's a guy who you cannot underrate, you cannot sleep on because he's a very, very sound, good basketball player. And this is what I do love about the older college prospects because I think he went to Villanova for three years is when, is when those guys do come out, they're so prepared just because they've uh, already been through a lot. They've played a lot of minutes at high-level basketball, and especially when you come from such a good program like Villanova, who we really start 
having to give a lot more credit to as one of the better programs for uh, bringing young players into the league. Like Dante DiVincenzo is another really good role player from Villanova. Uh, Eric Paschal, they got, they got a really good farm system there, and they clearly have improved Jalen Brunson quite a lot. And then he's just continued to take steps every single year uh, in the NBA as well and is now playing phenomenal basketball. And at a lot of points, he looks like this Mavericks team's second-best player. Love Jalen Brunson. Just love his versatility so much. And I hope he continues to play uh, such great basketball because he's just a fun guy to watch. He's got a great floater game, shoots the ball well, and just does everything you'd want out of a backup and definitely a, a guy who could be a starting point guard on most teams in the NBA. He's really, really underrated and is a very good piece for this team. You got Tim Hardaway Jr. who can light it up at any moment. Uh, I like that he's playing off the bench because that's just the role he fits in best. He is a guy who's inconsistent. That's just kind of is what it is with Tim Hardaway. That's what you have to expect is some inconsistencies. But even for that, he is shooting 38.5% from three, which is better than you would expect for someone who does have some inconsistencies. And he's a guy who I just like being on this roster because he can light it up at any moment. But they also don't really rely on him to light it up. So it's just a nice added bonus when he's going crazy. And he, he's going to have so many games in the year where he scores like 30 and he just can't miss from three. That's the nice dynamic that he does bring to this team, even, again, if he's inconsistent. And those good games are met by a lot of games where he is struggling as well and can stall the offense, but he's a nice piece on this team. And the big under underrated reason for why they're, they were struggling and now why they're playing much better basketball is that they're just finally healthy. This was a team that I think they had the, uh, their players miss the most games out of any team in the league. No one was really talking about this, but even though a lot of their players that were missing aren't necessarily big names, which leads to a lot of casual fans being like, well, they still, they still have Luka, their team should still be good. Like, obviously... Uh, you wanted them to be better before, but missing a Maxi Kleber type of guy, he's not a star level player or anything, but he plays a star role for this Mavericks team, as in the fact that he is perfect in the role he does play. He's one of the better stretch bigs in the league. He shoots 45% from three on 3.7 attempts per game. He's a versatile and switchy defender who can guard multiple positions and is put on most other teams' best wings. Like, he's super underrated as a defender. He's not, like, a crazy athlete, or he's not super strong, but he's just really, really smart on that side of the ball and puts a lot of effort in but he also has the size to back it up like uh when you see them play the Clippers he's going to be the guy guarding Kawhi Leonard most of the time he's a really really smart and good defender and he's super underrated role player that they were missing a lot that's a guy that even though again he's not a big name and he's not a crazy uh, great player he is a super important player to that team and they really were missing not having uh, him they obviously didn't have Kristaps Porzingis for some time and he's a player who's been disappointing this year for sure uh, but he is still a guy who you can uh, believe to have big games and the one thing that honestly disappoints me more than anything because this offense has been fine it hasn't been super consistent but it's like it's whatever it's the defensive side of the ball that has disappointed me so much 
those knee injuries at 25 are already really, really uh, catching up to Chris Stapps and have hindered him a lot on the defensive side of the ball. His lateral agility just isn't there at all anymore. Uh, and then he's also getting uh, destroyed on the inside as well. So he is in a very, very weird spot where he's not strong enough to guard a lot of the better centers, but he's also not quick enough to guard these wings, which he's definitely going to need to figure that out. And that's something that does worry me is their second best player uh, or supposedly uh, their second best player struggling so much at certain times. Uh, but I do still like this roster. I love all the rookies that they have. Uh, they just called up Tyler Bay who I would definitely watch out for potentially being a player who could play minutes for this team this year. Uh, he's a 23-year-old rookie, so obviously he's an older one. He has a lot more experience than most rookies do. And with him getting called up after playing so well in the G League, because he was incredible in the G League, He's definitely a player who I would watch out for potentially having an impact on this roster as a guy who's a great wing defender, can shoot the ball. Uh, I think he could be a nice piece for them. Tyrell Terry is, in my opinion, a really, really good player, and I think he's an absolute steal for them. Uh, I think he's going to be special for them in the future. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Seth Curry, coincidentally, because they just traded him. Love Nate Hinton. I'll always praise Nate Hinton so much. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to put up big numbers or anything or even play that many minutes, but he gives it his all out there every single time he's on the floor. Good defender, incredible rebounder for a guard. Uh, I just really like what the Mavericks are building. They're doing a lot of things right, and now that they're playing good basketball, they're a team that I definitely would watch out for uh, going into the second half of the season. I think they're a, a definitely a team to watch at the trade deadline as well. I think they're a super, super intriguing trade deadline team. And overall, I'm just excited for the second half of this Maverick season. Uh, they're a really fun team to watch, and they're playing some great basketball right now. They got a lot of good role players around Luka. So if uh, Jalen Brunson can keep it up and if Chris Stapps can get consistent, watch out for the Dallas Mavericks. They started off slow, but they're looking scary and looking like a team that no one wants to play in this Western Conference, especially with how tight it is. They could get up to the fourth seed. They could get up pretty, pretty high. Uh, this Mavericks team is very, very good. And again, just watch out for them. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Phoenix Suns, who at the All-Star break are currently the second seed in the Western Conference. We're playing some excellent basketball to close it out. And I'll always say this about this team, is that when you just look up and down the roster, it's basically about as perfectly constructed as you can get for any team in the league. You got to start off with their phenomenal backcourt. Chris Paul has had a phenomenal year. Definitely deserve to be an all-star, in my opinion, is still the best player on this roster. Doesn't put up the flashiest numbers or anything, but still great numbers. Putting up 16, 5, and 9 uh, on very, very good splits with a true shooting percentage of 59.2. Shooting 95% from the free throw line this year. He's just been an amazing addition for them. And the fact that they really didn't have to give up uh, a, a big, like, sustained 
uh, substantial amount of value for Chris Paul is just phenomenal because he is a culture changer. That is the thing that you bring Chris Paul into this team for, is for him to completely change the culture of Phoenix, and that's exactly what he's done. He's such an incredible player, and I love what he brings to the team and the fact that he is a guy who is obviously an amazing closer, and he can close it down the stretch whenever you want him to, but he's also a guy who's completely willing and happy to give it to Devin Booker. So it just is a perfect mix when those two are feeding off each other. And he's had an amazing year uh, for the Phoenix Suns. It's been such a good addition. And yeah, it's been really, really good to watch uh, Chris Paul. Even at his old age of 35, he's still killing the game. And that's just all due to him being one of the smartest players ever. Him having one of the greatest handles ever. And him being... uh, an amazing mid-range shooter just a killer from there and he's having another great season Uh, it just doesn't seem like he's going to slow down anytime soon and Devin Booker another all-star player and he's been great for them this year as well especially recently he had a bit of a weird start to the season both him and Chris Paul didn't start off the year great and I think it was just because they were both learning how to play with each other and how uh, to balance uh Uh, Both of them just being scores and being playmakers. Uh, But Devin Booker's been playing great basketball recently. uh, And is just one of the best and most proven scorers in the league. Uh, This is exactly what you need in a contending team. You need a guy who can give you a bucket at any moment. And obviously Devin Booker can do that. As he's just one of the most well-rounded scorers. He can score from anywhere on the floor. Finishes at the basket well. Elite mid-range shooter. Has a really good post game for a guard. Uh, shoots the ball well enough from three. Can hit off the dribble tough threes as well. Uh, shoots well from the free throw line. Playmakes. He just does everything you'd want out of a two guard in this league. And is a truly just elite player. Definitely top 20, 25 range. And is having another great year. And even with him having much more talent than he's had in previous years. He's still putting up the numbers, and especially now that he's heating up, he's going to be a guy who's going to give you 25-plus points on a consistent basis, and he's definitely uh, just one of the better uh, scorers in the league as a whole, and he's continuing to prove that this year with another fantastic year, and I'm so happy for Devin Booker, seeing him finally win games after he struggled so much, even with... I'm just having such poor rosters. He was playing amazing basketball, uh, but the other guys around him were holding him back so much. But now that they got a really good head coach in Monty Williams, now that this roster is so well constructed, they could finally win games. Honestly, the thing I like most about this roster is the wings on it. There's so much versatility in these wings, and they're all such important role players on this team. You got to start off with Mikhail Bridges, who's definitely their best wing. And honestly, a lot of the times, and uh, I think he just honestly is the third best player on this roster, which you would not have expected coming into the year. But we already knew he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. It's kind of crazy to me that he didn't get more all-defense recognition last year. I don't know what the ballots were looking like, but I don't really remember hearing anyone even put him in the conversation, which he definitely is. He's an elite wing defender he's uh six six which obviously isn't huge but he's got one of the longer wingspans in the league and he's just always locked in on that side of the ball and you can always expect him to do his best job uh while guarding one of the 
uh, other teams' best wings or guards. Like, whatever I see, uh, say the Mavericks play him, you're not going to stop Luka Doncic. You're not going to stop Paul George or Kawhi Leonard uh, or LeBron. If those guys are struggling, it's going to be mostly them uh, just having a bad night and them stopping themselves. But Mikhail Bridges is going to do as good of a job as you can stopping the best players in the league. He's just an elite defender. And the thing that raised his uh, game to a whole nother level for me is the fact that he's a really, really good three-point shooter now because he was always uh, touted as this 3 and D prospect and he was decent from three, but nothing special. But now he's a truly borderline elite shooter shooting four and a half threes and shooting 42% per game. So he may be the best 3 and D player in the league now. He's an incredible player. Deserves recognition for uh, all defense team. Deserves recognition for most improved player. Uh, just such an efficient player shooting. Uh, 65.8 true shooting percentage, which is ridiculous. Like, that is crazy. And in my opinion, it's probably the third best player on this roster. And that's no shot at DeAndre Aiden. That's just all praise to Mikhail Bridges for how amazing he's been this year. And then you got Jay Crowder, easily one of the more underrated uh, free agency pickups this year. He's a guy who, when he's shooting the ball well, which is inconsistent, he's not a super consistent shooter. Uh, but when he's shooting the ball well, he's one of the best role players in the league. Just due to the fact that he's such a good locker room guy, he's a very, very good defender and it's always been a good defender like even when his statistics weren't crazy say in memphis when he played 45 games he was shooting under 30 percent from three 37 percent from the field he was still so impactful for what he brought as a veteran leader who's been in this league he's been on a bunch of different teams and he always is just a good role player that you want on any roster. And that's kind of why he's bounced around so much is because any team could use Day Crowder. And that was a steal of a contract. Uh, the three-year $30 million was a genius idea for them. And he's been super important to this team's success. You got Cam Johnson, one of the more underrated young players in the league for sure. Uh, a guy who shoots the ball incredibly well. Started off the season a bit slow shooting. But now he's shooting almost 38% from three on 5.7 attempts per game and his defense is the thing that's really really underrated he's a pretty good defender like he's not an all defense caliber defender like Mikhail Bridges but he's uh, definitely above average to almost great as a wing defender has the versatility to guard both positions with him being 6'8 210 but still pretty light on his feet uh, he's a really nice role player for this team uh, and then you obviously got to round off the uh, starters with DeAndre Ayton who as much as I want him to be more aggressive because I feel like he's just way too laid back for him being 6'11 250 and as skilled as he is he only gets to the free throw line two and a half times per game because he's much more of a finesse player uh, than a strength player which I would love to see him uh, use that strength more and get to the line like six times a game I think that could really expand his game as a whole uh, and he's I just feel like he doesn't demand the ball enough but he still sets great screens finishes at the basket well uh, could shoot it from the mid-range shoots uh, threes occasionally and then is a great rebounder much improved on defense much better than I ever thought he would be on the defensive side of the ball and then he's got a bunch of different guys who aren't great players but can play good minutes off the bench like I like what Langston Galloway brings as a guy who can shoot the hell out of the ball 
ball, shooting basically 46% this year. Unlimited attempts because he's not playing that many minutes. But he's a proven uh, shooter in this league. I like Etwan more as a 10 to 15 minute a game guy who uh, can shoot the ball. He isn't shooting well at all this year, but he's been a good shooter throughout most of his career. And he's just a decent score to put in at moments. Abdel Nader's a, a very good role player as well. Someone who shoots the ball extremely well, especially this year, shoot 39.4%. Solid enough uh, wing defender as well. Uh, just another guy who plays his role and, and plays it at a very, very good rate. Like what he uh, brings to this team. Uh, you even got guys who are struggling this year, like Javon Carter, who I th- hope can turn it around in the second half of the year because he actually had a very uh, good season last year. Uh, so I even think he could be an important piece and play better basketball uh, towards the end of this year. Cameron Payne has turned himself into an NBA player and is actually an impactful player off the bench who shoots the ball at a great rate, uh, which is crazy because I thought he was terrible. Uh, you got Dario Saric, who is playing in a much different role than he has in previous years and is doing it very, very well. He's playing basically backup center for them, and it's worked much better than I ever thought it could. He's got uh, another guy on this roster who shoots the ball really, really well. It's what you look for in this team. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league because almost everybody on this roster can shoot. He finishes at the basket well. He's an amazing free throw shooter. Uh, he can play and make pretty well, even though it's not something he gets a lot of opportunities to do. He's a pretty good playmaker. Uh, he puts an effort on the defensive side of the ball, which is all you really need. And uh, he's just another really nice piece for them. You also have to give credit to Monty Williams, who is maybe the most underrated coach in the league. Monty Williams is a fantastic coach. And with so many players who can play minutes, it, it definitely could be hard to balance the rotations, but he's done it perfectly. Like, there are a lot of talented guys on this roster, but he has uh, everyone playing and everyone playing very, very well. Uh, he's done a f- fantastic job of coaching this team they're one of the best defensive teams in the nba still a very good offensive team one of the best three-point shooting teams uh get some of the most assists as they just zip the ball around beautifully like their uh passing is phenomenal on this team everybody's so unselfish and everybody is just buying into the system which is so important still don't know if they're can a contender but if they're not a contender for me, which I'm still up in the air about, they're about as good as you can be without actually being a contender. This team is phenomenal to watch. I love the Phoenix Suns so, so much, and they've been great this year. They're the second seed in a tough Western Conference for a reason, and that's because these guys have been balling out of their minds, and they look fantastic. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns. Perfectly constructed roster and are playing very, very well. Now I want to get into teams you should watch at the 2021 NBA trade deadline. I've been talking about this trade deadline quite a lot because I think it's going to be a super interesting one as this is always the time where a lot of teams uh, go all in. We see so many big moves at the trade deadline and then we also just see a lot of minor moves that on the surface aren't really big. 
uh, but are the last pieces to teams that can win championships. You obviously got the buyout market as well, and it's just always one of the most exciting times of the year. First team that I would definitely watch out for uh, at the trade deadline is the Boston Celtics, and this is mainly just due to the fact that they have the Hayward trade exception, which gives them some unique flexibility that most teams in their position just simply don't have because they are a team that is paying a lot of money for their players. So most of the time, you wouldn't really be able to make potentially a big move but due to the fact they have that massive trade exception you can get a guy like a Nikola Vucevic or get a guy like a Jeremy Grant potentially those are two guys that they're going after I do think people need to realize you can't put salary on top of a trade exception unless it's a three-team trade and you're getting those guys to another team but I've seen so many guys say like oh you do the trade exception and uh, Romeo Lankford and Aaron Nesmith and I'm like those guys cannot be added on top of a trade exception that's not how the trade exception works but it still does give you so much flexibility regardless to potentially get really really good players uh, to add to the team even if you potentially didn't get like a star caliber player the Celtics honestly just need depth and role players so if you could maybe make a trade with the Houston Rockets and if you could get Eric Gordon PJ Tucker Daniel House or Ben McLemore and you wouldn't have to give up too much I think that'd be a great idea but obviously if you can get a Nikola Vucevic do it uh, because this team could be really really dynamic they're starting to play much better basketball uh, than they were in this uh, past couple stretch of games Kemba is starting to click and now uh, with him playing uh, good basketball as long as you get depth which is by far the uh, the thing that this team needs most they could be dangerous for sure, and I would definitely just look out for them at the trade deadline because they're one of the teams that I expect to make the most moves. And as a Celtics fan, I do really hope they make moves because uh, that'd be big. I would obviously watch the Nets as well because they're a team that is clearly willing to make a lot of moves. And uh, they're a team that still needs defense because all the moves that they're making are not fixing their problem. Uh, so if they can get some more defenders on their roster, I don't think they're going to make any like major star acquisitions. But as long as they can get guys who just help the team and fit within what they need, then I think that's perfect for them. And I think that would be really, really big for this roster to end up uh, just getting more defenders who can be nice for this uh, team for sure. I'd watch the Miami Heat as well. They're a team that definitely needs some help, uh, especially at the four position or maybe at the five if they think Bam Adebayo uh, will play the four just due to the fact that they have like Kelly Olynyk playing there and he's been bad this year. Myers Leonard is injured. Uh, Jay Crowder left. And they just really don't have much at that position that's super consistent. So uh, they're a team that's been in plenty of rumors to potentially trade for some fours. Uh, so I would definitely watch out for that. And I think that's something that could definitely happen is them getting uh, another forward on their team. And I think that could raise them to another level. Or maybe even you could see a Kyle Lowry trade potentially. I don't really know at this point. Uh, but there's definitely something is going to happen with the Miami Heat, I'd expect. Especially with them playing better recently. Uh, they might just want to get that next piece to really put them over the top and uh, make them a dangerous team. I would watch the Hornets. They've been in the rumors for Vucevic. I still think they need help at the big position. And if they could get a big, man, that team is going to be so, so nice. So I would definitely watch them. I would watch the Toronto Raptors just due to the fact they're, that there are Kyle Lowry rumors. And uh, I even heard uh, from a source. I don't remember. I saw it somewhere on Twitter, and it was from a reliable source. 
uh, I'm blanking on who it was, but they were saying that there's been like internal discussions and Kyle Lowry is pretty much set on thinking he's going to get traded. Kyle Lowry also posted something on his Instagram story that it, he said, like, if it's not from him, then don't believe it. So those are conflicting things, but I could definitely see him getting traded. You picked Malachi Flynn in the first round, who I think is going to be a really good player at some point. You already have Fred Van Vliet. You have Norman Powell, who's been great this year, and they've been fine without Kyle Lowry. So I think moving on from him, uh, especially on the last year of his contract and getting uh, some players who would fit what they need uh, more than Kyle Lowry does because he just isn't super necessary, which is crazy to say because I love Kyle Lowry. Uh, I'm much higher on Kyle Lowry than most, but I just think the Raptors are kind of cool with where they're at at the guard position. So if they could get uh, some help at the big, I think that would be great for them. So I would definitely watch a Kyle Lowry trade. I would watch the Magic just because they're a team that has the potential to blow it up because they suck. They're really, really bad. Uh, and if I were them, I would just give up on this because I think it's so stupid that they continue to try and be a competitive team. Like, just accept that you're bad and go for the tank. Trade Evan Fournier. Like, trade him for sure because I think you can get some decent value for someone like him. He's a bucket. Get Terrence. Uh, get Terrence Ross out of there because he is a player who I think is pretty valuable and you could get some stuff for. Get Vucevic out of there. You could definitely get some value for Vucevic. And then just go for the reset uh, route because then you'll have Jonathan Isaac back next year. You'll have Markel Fultz. You obviously don't know how good those guys are going to be coming off major injuries, but you'll have them. You have Cole Anthony, Chumo Kiki. You could maybe get like a Jonathan Kaminga or an Evan Mobley, Jalen Green in this draft, and then you could be set up really nice for the future. So I would definitely uh, keep a close eye on them. Uh, watch out for the Detroit Pistons as well, just because they could trade some of their older role players like uh, DeLon Wright and Mason Plumley. Those guys could just be nice backups on uh, good teams. And in the West, uh, I say the top four teams are pretty solidified. I would watch the Clippers uh, because they could get a playmaker. I think that's the thing that they need most. If they could somehow pull off a Kyle Lowry trade, do it. Like, do it 100%, even though you're going to have to give up Luke Kennard, which doesn't really matter because he's been bad this year. And Marcus Morris probably would have to be the trade. At least I think it would to make money work i think that'd be completely worth it marcus morris is obviously a good player but kyle lowry would fit exactly what they need and he'd be phenomenal for them like i would love that fit i think the denver nuggets could get some more defensive wings on their team they're another team that i would suggest calling up uh the houston rockets to try and get pj tucker or daniel house someone like that i think that'd be uh, perfect for them. I could definitely see the Dallas Mavericks potentially going after an, uh, some more shooting for sure because that's been disappointing this year. I could see them going after Victor Oladipo uh, for sure as well because uh, they're a team that uh, definitely could use a guy who could potentially be the third guy for that team, and I think he'd be uh, a nice fit alongside those guys. The Golden State Warriors, another team rumored for Victor Oladipo. I think that'd be really interesting. They're a team that could go in all in right now, but I would just wait till the offseason to see what happens with the Timberwolves pick personally. Uh, definitely watch out for the Pelicans is due to the fact that that roster fits so poorly together that I would definitely try and make some moves. Uh, the Thunder could continue to try and trade vets for first round picks. The Kings suck. So make some moves, uh, trade Harrison Barnes to the Celtics, please. Uh, like, pr please, please do that. That would make me so happy. Um, 
and honestly they need depth really badly so uh, you could try and get some guys off the bench as well uh, I think they need to shake it up for sure the Rockets I definitely think they're going to be the team that uh, should at least make the most moves at the trade deadline trade PJ Tucker trade Ben McLemore uh, trade Daniel House uh, trade basically all your old players at this point i think they need a hard reset trade victor all depot yeah i think at this point they need a hard reset and they need to accept that they're going to be bad uh, and that they just need to build for the future so those are all the teams that i would watch at the 2021 uh, nba trade deadline as it is coming up soon very very excited for that and yeah i'm gonna take a break and i'll be right back Okay, I'm back to give you guys my top 25 players under 25. This was incredibly hard to do. There's so many good young players in this league. And condensing it to only 25 of them was a very, very hard task. So getting into honorable mentions, people I thought deserved a ton of recognition, but just barely missed out on the cut for me. I'll start off with both of the young guys that I really like from the Spurs and DeJounte Murray and Kelton Johnson. DeJounte, super well-rounded point guard, amazing defender, rebounds, playmakes, and can score. Kelton Johnson, really nice scorer uh, who can rebound as well. Michael Porter Jr., I think he has potential to be a great scorer. Uh, the defensive side of the ball is just a thing that holds him back for me. Uh, got Lonzo, who's been having a very, very good season. Uh, just isn't consistent enough yet for me and doesn't really take over enough. Uh, Jalen Brunson, very nice young point guard. Just honestly don't think he's really on the level of these other guys, but I do like his potential, and I think he can be a Goran Dragic type of player in the future. Mitchell Robinson, good defensive center, block shots, uh, gets lobs, and gets rebounds as well. Gary Trent Jr. was super tough for me not to put on the list because I love Gary Trent Jr. He was a lot younger than I expected as well. But he just so barely missed out on the cut for me. And it's not really a, a specific reason or anything. It's just that I prefer the other guys above him. But I also really like Gary Trent. So that was incredibly hard. And then Jonathan Isaac, a uh, guy who's just dealing with injuries. Probably would be on here if he was healthy, but he's not. Uh, number 25, I got Mikhail Bridges, one of the most underrated players in the league. Amazing wing defender, very good shooter as well, and just one of the best role players in the league already. And he's pretty young, so I think he has potential to be like the best role player in the NBA in the future. He's just that good. Uh, so elite as a 3 and D guy, efficient from all places and is a really nice player and number 24 i got tyrese halliburton uh, as a guy who's been great as a rookie so far and uh, he's someone who i really really like just because he's so smart great playmaker is all over the place on defense and he's just a good well-rounded player who anybody would want on their team uh, rj barrett is a guy who i honestly think has gone underrated by a lot of people obviously he was very hyped coming out of duke but not many people are talking about the season that he's having just because it's been overshadowed by how good uh julius randall has been emmanuel quickly's had some really good moments but rj barrett's been pretty consistent this year he's shooting the ball better still not a great shooter but he's one of the best uh defensive 
wings already and especially out of young guys he's a pretty elite defender uh he slashes to the basket very well gets rebounds super strong and he's just a nice young player and i think he's very very good at number 22 i have deandre aiden just based off skill talent and potential he would be a lot higher for me uh, but it's his mindset that holds him back quite a lot i just dislike uh a lot his lack of aggression and uh, lack of just wanting uh, to take over. It's something that I believe completely that he can do, but he just simply doesn't yet, which is incredibly disappointing because he would be much higher for me. He's skilled in the post, has great touch, hits uh, fadeaways. He is better on defense than a lot of people expected. He rebounds super well, uh, but it's just the mindset that holds him back. Number 21, I have DeAndre Hunter of the Atlanta Hawks, another super underrated young player who was having a great season before he got injured. He's one of the better 3 and D uh, players in the league uh, in a very similar way to Mikhail Bridges. The thing that puts him above Mikhail Bridges, because they're such similar players, is just his better ability to create his own shot than Mikhail Bridges does have. Uh, so yeah, DeAndre Hunter is a super nice young player, very, very underrated by a lot of people. And when he's going to be healthy, the Hawks will definitely be a lot better. At number 20, I have his teammate, John Collins. John Collins is a very good young power forward who is just a super talented guy, shoots the ball very well, is an incredible finisher who's one of the more athletic players in the league, rebounds, is better on defense, still not great though, he's just probably about average, which is the thing that holds him back from being higher, because it's not like he's an amazing scorer, he's a good scorer solid enough defender and good rebounder very good young player i would just take the other guys above him uh, if i'm building a team number 19 i have colin sexton who is definitely uh, one of the best bucket getters honestly on this entire list he is a proven scorer in this league already he's had a phenomenal year for the cleveland cavaliers future all-star for sure and i think he could be an all-star before we know it Honestly, it's crazy to see him this low because he's a guy who's young, talented. Uh, there's just so many good young players in this league, uh, but he's definitely one of them. Has proved me completely wrong. I thought he was going to be more of just like a six-man type of player uh, and more just around like a 20-point-per-game guy on good efficiency, but he's looking like a 25-point-per-game score. He's a very, very good young player. At number 18, I have Jamal Murray, who has been playing great basketball recently. Uh, he was a guy who was dealing with an elbow injury earlier that definitely hurt him and made him look much worse than he actually was. But ever since he's gotten healthy, he's looked uh, very good. Is an amazing scorer who can uh, score in a flurry. He's a guy who is one of the better shooters in the league. Honestly, I'd want him to just take even more threes than he already does. Uh, but he's a very, very good scorer and has already proven that he can have big moments in the playoffs and win at the highest level. At number 17, I have one of my favorite young players in the league, and that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, if he wasn't injured, he'd probably be even higher for me because I love me some Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, a lot of players under him you probably think are better than him, but I'm just super high on Jaron as a player, and it mostly comes from just how versatile he is. He's a guy who is a very good defender, definitely needs to figure out how to foul less, but other than that, he's pretty great on that side of the ball, can guard one through five, uh, and is just so versatile, so switchy, and fits the modern NBA so well. One of, if not uh, potentially like a top three big man shooter in the league. He uh, can shoot from way downtown. Uh, other than like Carl Anthony Towns, he might be the second best big man shooter in the league as long as I'm not forgetting anybody. He's that good as a shooter and he can do it off the dribble as well. He can uh, take 
take it to the hole. He is just a really nice player who is good at almost everything, except for he's not a very good rebounder at all, and he doesn't really play make. Other than that, though, he's a really nice player, and if he was healthy, he'd probably be higher. Number 16, I have DeMontis Sabonis. He's just this low due to the fact that he is on the older side. Like, he's pretty close to 24. I think he's turning, I mean, he's pretty close to 25. I'm pretty sure he's 20, uh, turning 25 in like a month. Uh, but he is already a proven all-star player in this league, and that's why he's this high in the first place. He is a very, very good player. Uh, a guy who is one of the best post scores in the league, has phenomenal touch around the basket, has expanded his range this year. Elite rebounder, great big man playmaker, and he's just a really, really nice player in this league. Uh, I would love him to be better on defense, but he's already so good on offense that he does def definitely deserves a lot of recognition on this list. Number 15, I have Shea Gildas-Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder, a guy who I think is just a already proven player in this league. Definitely an all-star caliber player. Uh, Could have made the cut this year, came just short. Uh, but he's been phenomenal so far this year. Has proven to be a better playmaker than I previously had thought while still being a good scorer, while still being a good defender. And he's a guy who I definitely think the Thunder can build around. And I think Shea Gildas Alexander can be the second best player on a championship team. Very, very good young guard and one of the better ones in the league. Number 14, I have De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he's definitely in that similar range uh, to Shea Gildas-Alexander, but I would just take him mostly uh, due to the fact that I think he is a more proven playmaker, and I think they're both on a similar level as scores. I would take Shea slightly over him, but I would also take Fox on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but they're both really good players. Uh, it it's honestly just comes down to personal preference. I just like Darren's ability to push the pace and play in an up-tempo, uh, high-speed style of basketball due to him being one of the fastest players in the league. Would love him to be in another place where he could get more recognition because uh, he definitely deserves it. Very, very good young player, and I love me some De'Aaron Fox. Number 13, I have Brandon Ingram, already a proven bucket getter in this league he's uh, definitely just one of the better scores already my one thing is though is just he doesn't do much outside of scoring he's a good playmaker don't get me wrong but he's not really anything as a rebounder that's special at all he's a below average defender uh, and I would just take a lot of these other guys above him uh, to build around just due to the fact that he's in a weird position because I don't think he's good enough to be like the best player on a championship team. But he also kind of has a play style of a best player on a team. Uh, so it's definitely interesting with Brandon Ingram. Still great young player, uh, but I would just take some other guys over him. Number 12, I have John Morant, who I definitely think is overrated as far as how good he is right now. But I still think his future is super bright. Uh, other than the three-point shot, which he definitely needs to figure out, don't get me wrong, he's everything you'd want in a young guard with him being super athletic, phenomenal vision, one of the better playmakers in the league, finishes at the basket well, great leader too, a uh, guy who's already proven he can win games uh, and he can lead a team at such a young age. Uh, definitely a very, very good young player. I do think he is being overrated by a lot of people, but he's still a guy you could build around, still a guy who I think is going to be great in the future. Uh, number 11, I have Donovan Mitchell. He is a guy who is uh, a bit older uh, compared to a lot of guys on the list, but he is uh, just a proven guy in this league. 
and that definitely helps his case a lot as a lot of guys uh, below him you know are good but you don't know how good they can be Donovan Mitchell has already proven he can be uh, the best or second best player on a high quality playoff team he's on a team that has the best record in the NBA right now and he's leading that team scoring wise at least he's one of the best scorers in the league shoots the ball very well and has had a great season so far. He definitely deserves a ton of recognition as one of the better young players in the league. Again, he is like 24, uh, but he's still young enough to make the cut, and I still think he can get even better than what he is right now, and what he is right now is already a phenomenal player. Number 10, I have Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. I have to give him uh, the edge over Donovan Mitchell because I think he is slightly younger than him. And I just think Devin Booker is a slightly better basketball player. Uh, I would definitely take him over Donovan Mitchell as a scorer. They're both amazing scores. Uh, I would take him over... Uh, Donovan as a playmaker that's still pretty even and then defense is kind of a wash Donovan Mitchell is pretty overrated on defense he's fine but he's not a great defender so I just think Devin Booker is very slightly better than him and I'm pretty sure he's slightly younger than him as well so he definitely deserves uh, the recognition one of the best young players in the league and definitely one of the best scorers already so uh, he is definitely a top 10 young player in the league for me and he makes the cut Number nine, I have Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat. Uh, one of the more versatile big men we've seen come into the league in a long, long while as a guy who is a very good playmaker, phenomenal defender, rebounds, uh, can shoot the ball from mid-range, potentially can expand his range to the three-point line. Reminds me of kind of a modern-day young Kevin Garnett, which is definitely very, very high praise. Don't think he's ever going to be as good as KG was in his prime because KG was an MVP player. Uh, but they do have that similar play style, and I just think Bam Adebayo is absolutely phenomenal. I think he's going to be a top 10 to 15 player at some point uh, in this league and I think he's already proven he can be around the top 20 range Bam Adebayo is that dude and is definitely a guy I would love to have on my team I think he's the perfect se second option on a championship roster number eight I have Carl Anthony Towns already proven as one of the uh, best scoring big man in the league the best three-point shooting big man of all time my one issue with Carl is though is that he hasn't had much success and it mostly uh, my biggest issue is just on the defensive side of the ball. He's a bad defender, and being uh, good on, on defense at the center position is probably the most important position on that side of the ball, so that's definitely an issue. But he's so good on offense and is so good as a rebounder that I have to still give him high praise and have to put him that high. I would just like to see some more success. I do think with a different team, though, he could be more successful. At number seven, I have Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks, and he's someone who... I'm probably a little bit lower on than uh, a lot of people just due to the fact that I don't know if a guy who is that bad on defense can be the guy on a championship team. I think a team has to be built so perfectly around Trey Young that I would take other young uh, point guards to build around. You'll see some of the young uh, point guards I have above him because this my criteria mostly for this list is just strictly who would I build around. Obviously, there's other stuff that comes into an, uh, to it as well, but it mostly is just who would I build around. And Trey Young, I wouldn't build around him uh, over some of these other young point guards just due to how bad he is on defense. He's obviously an incredible playmaker, honestly underrated as a playmaker. He's so good at playmaking, great score. Uh, but I just don't know what the ceiling of a team with him as the best player is. Trey Young is great, uh, but 
I definitely have some questions about him and his future, and I do think he's overrated by some people. Number six, I have LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets. And this may seem a little crazy to put him over Trey Young, but I would build around LaMelo Ball over Trey Young. And it mostly comes from something that you'll see with all the young point guards in the league that I have above Trey, which is spoiler. Uh, Lamelo, Ben Simmons, Luka Doncic. It's, it's their size. Size at the point guard position, for me at least, is something I value a ton. Obviously, you don't need to be a huge point guard uh, to be successful. We've seen Steph Curry be one of the 15 greatest players of all time, uh, and he's only 6'3. But Trey Young is like six foot, and he's much smaller than these guys. Lamelo is already a better defender than him in his rookie season, and I think he's going to continue to get better on that side of the ball. He's just as good, if not better as a playmaker uh, he's already proven that he can score the ball very very well he's had a phenomenal rookie year uh, Trey Young is in his third season and Trey Young is obviously better right now but LaMelo Ball isn't like crazy far off of Trey Young he's definitely significantly worse than him but he ever since he's been a starter he's been averaging like 26 and 6 LaMelo Ball is a special special player He's been much better than most people expected, and I would uh, definitely take him uh, to build around uh, six when we're talking about young players in the NBA. Number five, I have Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's this high strictly due to the defensive side of the ball. Ben Simmons is an elite defender potentially the best defender in the nba due to his versatility he can guard every single position at an amazing rate he's a defensive player of the year candidate he rebounds the ball incredibly well is a phenomenal playmaker uh, and when he's aggressive he can still be a very very good offensive player obviously the shooting holds him back uh but i just think of a team that has shooters around ben simmons kind of like we're seeing this year and it's very, very successful. It's a super successful formula uh, just due to how well-rounded he is. And even though he isn't the scorer or the shooter that honestly most people are on this list, uh, he's so good at everything else that I would still put him as the fifth best player under 25. Ben Simmons is special and is underrated by a lot of people. Number four, I have Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, and he's definitely just emerged this year. If we were talking about this uh, a year ago, I would probably put him maybe like 12 or 13, uh, and that's obviously still good, but he has gotten so much better this year that I definitely think he's a top five player under 25, in my opinion. He's uh, the number four player. And it mostly comes from the fact that he's already uh, became one of the best scorers in the league now. Uh, he's averaging about 25 points this season on phenomenal efficiency. And that's uh, alongside Jason Tatum and alongside Kemba Walker, which is incredible. He's a little overrated as a defender, but is still very good on that side of the ball. Rebounds well. And while I don't think he's a better first option necessarily than some of the guys behind him, I say those guys are better as first options, but I would take Jalen Brown as a second option over all of them if I want to win a championship because some of the guys that are below him could be better first options, but I think the ceiling of their team is lower. So honestly, I'd rather prefer a guy who I think is the perfect second option to the cha to a championship team, and I think that's what Jalen Brown is. Uh, one of the better scorers in the league, very good defender as well, and an amazing young player. Number three, I have Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, he's already just one of the most dominant young 
Uh, he's honestly just one of the most dominant players in the league as a whole. I was about to say young players, but he's just dominant as a whole. No one can stop Zion Williamson inside. And while he does have clear limitations to his game, everybody knows that he is still so good at what he's good at that I would put him at number three as far as young players. He's getting better on defense, still isn't great, but he's an incredible rebounder, incredible finisher on the interior so strong play makes pretty well and i just think uh, if you build a team around him right there's no stopping zion williamson special player and definitely deserves to be top three in uh top 25 under 25 number two i have jason tatum of the boston celtics is already one of the better scorers in the league as a guy who can literally just do everything on the offensive side of the ball he's much improved as a playmaker he's got a very good handle can hit off the dribble threes catch and shoot threes can create his own shot in the mid-range finishes on the interior good free throw shooter can get to the line uh rebounds the ball well and is one of the more underrated defenders in the league. Jason Tatum is a very good defender. People, A lot of people think that Jalen Brown is a better defender than Tatum. That's just simply not true. I watch every single Celtics game, and I would know that almost better than anyone. Jason Tatum is a pretty significantly better defender than Brown. He's an all-defense caliber guy. He's a defensive playmaker, gets so many steals in the passing lane, but is also a phenomenal one-on-one -on -one defender. Uh, and it's just everything you'd want out of a young player in this league. He fits the NBA so perfectly because this is the direction it's going into. Long, versatile wings who can score the ball at the highest level but can create for others and are good on the defensive side of the ball. We see with most championship teams, that's what they have. We see that with LeBron. We see that with KD. We see that with Kawhi. Most teams that win championships are led by guys like Jason Tatum and that's why he has to be in my opinion the second best player under 25 and then number one it's Luka Doncic I mean he's a top 10 player in the league already so it's kind of obvious like Luka is one of the best scorers one of the best playmakers one of the best uh, rebounded guards much improved on defense improved as a shooter Luka Doncic is the number one uh, young player in the league that's not even debatable at all uh, he's that dude, and because guys like Giannis are 26, uh, and because some of the guys that you may think are uh, should be on this list, a lot of these guys are actually like 25, so Luka Doncic is just so clearly the best young player in the league, uh, even though I love Tatum, love Brown, love uh, Ben Simmons, LaMelo Ball, no one is even close to uh, Luka Doncic, he is that dude, and he's the number one young player uh, in my top 25, under 25. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. It's been uh, Michael. Peace out.